for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam. And thank you for joining us here uh, at the earliest on a Thursday, August 25th, which is uh, the date the episode is released. Date of recording is Monday, August 22nd. And this is a movie review edition of the podcast, which that is the one thing we have continued to consistently do week over week when we when we couldn't do the What's Poppin' live streams. We kept reviewing movies, so I'm proud of that. We've got another one this week, and this one's a, a Netflix original film, Kirk, called Day Shift, starring Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, Snoop Dizzle Dog, um, yes. um, among others, and... We are going to get into it, but I think, Kirk, because it's on Netflix, we're going to talk spoilers, right? We're going to get yeah, into for sure. it. Um, this movie is a vampire film, and we're going to we're gonna just jump right into it unless you have anything to, to preface it with, Kirk. I mean, I see your Twilight background, obviously. Yes. I mean, I, what I should have done, I forgot... Or maybe it's dirty. I don't know. I should have worn my Hawaiian shirt. You know, uh, Jamie Foxx has his Hawaiian shirt that he rocks for most of this. He film. Does. I could have matched him. Uh, I mean, I can't. I don't look like his physique or anything, but I imagine people would draw the connection. They would yeah. draw the connection. Yeah. No, I, I actually really like that part about this movie that he's always like rocking the Hawaiian vibe. They. I don't know that they ever really discuss it, but he just it's kind no. of his it's just his steez and that's what he's out there doing so but let me just pick a bone with that because i have uh worn a button-up shirt a short sleeve button-up shirt before and i've tried to wrangle a puppy or wrangle a child and it's impossible so this is complete fiction that he could then fight a a (laughs) horde of vampires while wearing that and keeping all of the buttons intact i mean that's fair uh, i i rip a button as soon as i bend over to pick up the dog toy and throw it and then my child runs and grabs my clothes and rips it clean off my body so absolute fiction throughout zero out of zero zero out of ten kernels that's <laughs> over this uh, you've you've lost me on the premise totally based on the short sleeve hawaiian shirt how dare you immediately um, <laughs> throw this in the garbage garbage all right <laughs> let's talk about day shift it is actually my turn to snaps to provide the synopsis for this film um so Jamie Foxx's character is a father and he is going through a bit of uh, family struggles, but he has a, he has a young daughter who he adores and he is just trying to make ends meet. And whenever we first meet him, we see him sort of like cleaning out a pool um, and it's, he's, he's got a pool truck with him and it's like, okay, what's this movie going to be about? But then shortly after that, Jamie Foxx's character, whose name is Bud Jablonski, which is an all an all time <laughs> movie character name, uh, he he goes into a home where he, uh, you know, sort of immediately encounters a vampire. And there's a lot there's lots of cues. There's like his it's very cold in there. He can see his breath. All the lights are off, uh, and he he gets into a vampire battle. We learn that he is a vampire hunter who has sort of been estranged from the conventional vampire hunting union that exists, who has a set of rules and regulations to guide um, how vampire hunting is meant to be done. I guess they're in some ways connected to the government or something. Um, And basically he is trying to hunt and kill vampires, both to 
remove the danger from the world, but also to harvest their fangs, which have monetary value in this world. So um, there is a the the core plot line is is essentially that Jamie Foxx's family is going to move away for financial reasons. Um, he and his wife are not really they're they're separated, and and they're going to move. She's going to move his kid, their kid to Florida to live with her mother. Um, and he's trying to stop that by getting some money, but he's having a hard time doing it. And so he's trying to do so via vampire hunting along the way. He, he tries to reconnect with this union cause he can make more money through it, which makes uh, him come in contact with his union rep who's played by Dave Franco. And it sort of becomes a buddy pick where those two are out hunting vampires and trying to take down the big, vampire coalition that's happening in the sort of like death Valley-ish area of Southern California, like LA, I guess that's not death Valley, like the LA Valley Southern SoCal region. Yeah. They, they like, uh, at least in the establishing shots, they drive and fly right by Capitol records, uh, you know, yeah. the big tower, big famous building. What I love about this, the most that you, touched on is that the family's going to leave. Megan New Good's going to grab the daughter and they're rolling out because, you know, they're estranged. I don't know if they're, yeah, they're not officially divorced, are they? No, um, I don't think so. I think he's, I think they're separated. Got it. And uh, Megan Good drops like this Billy Madison timeline. It <laughs> says you have one week and otherwise I'm leaving my daughter. And man, she sticks to it. She's like, well, in three days, like that right. is when we're leaving. <laughs> this total arbitrary day that she's like, this is monumental now. <laughs> I feel like in Billy Madison, it's the same week, same thing. You have two weeks, you know, one day per, per grade, blah, 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 whatever it is. And yeah. I just love that about this movie in that I would absolutely accept that and Billy Madison, but not in this. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, like, I'm like, that wait, timeline is dumb. I had to keep reminding myself what the stakes were that were <laughs> were going into this. It's like, if you were really waiting to see, like, if the money situation could get figured out, you would think that you would have more than a week to like settle that. And right. yeah, it's the. It was hard to kind of like. I had to keep reminding myself, like, wait, why are we doing this again? Oh, yeah, because they're going to move at the end of the week if he doesn't get the money. Right, right, right. right. Got it. Um, and, man, <laughs> the money, the whole money thing is hilarious because then after one fight, Jamie Foxx is like, I'm almost there. And it's like, wait, is he actually almost there? Like, could he just do one more of those things and be done? Right. <laughs> Rather than whatever else he did. Oh, man, it's such a conundrum. It is. And it's like, does that resolve all of their marital seeming relationship issues that were happening as well? There's just a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of questions involved here um, <laughs> and not a lot of answers at times. But let's, let's get into it, Kirk. Let's start with the acting performances. Um, we're going to start with our first superlative, which is, and the Oscar goes to, which goes to the best actor in the film, actor being the meaning actor or actress. We, using the yep. non-gendered term because I think it's more appropriate. They're all actors. It's it's easier that way. Um, yeah, when you go, when you watch the SAG Awards, the they the the general consensus is, is they're, you know, actor, and I am an actor. actor you right, know? right. It's, it's how it should be. The only reason people think actor and actress is because of the Oscars, and that's a conversation for a different day. So... <laughs> What was I saying? Let's, oh yeah, the let's best. Let's digress. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the performances <laughs> in this movie. The best actor. I am going with Dave Franco. I'm going with Dave Franco, who plays the union rep uh, for the vampire hunting union. His character's name 
is Seth, which is a pretty hilarious name for like, <laughs> I don't know why that just got me like at multiple times in this movie, the fact that his name was Seth, but he is sort of your like pencil pushing office guy trope gets pushed out into the field and has to deal with like vampire hunting. Um, really he comes into this movie way too late for me because I'm like struggling to get through the early going in this movie, the establishing the foundation and the world and things like that. It takes so long and the initial character interactions are so rough and the way that they establish the pot plot, the dialogue is clunky. The acting is spotty as all get out. The characters don't have any real chemistry. And the first time you get a semblance of chemistry is with Dave Franco and Jamie Foxx. And that's because of the heavy lifting that Dave Franco is doing to sort of make it work. That's not to say that Jamie Foxx isn't also doing a good job. Um, but I do think that he does a great, you know, uh, Dave Franco himself does a great job of establishing the character dynamic, carving out how each of these two play off of each other and establishing a really good comedic foreground and back and forth that they can sort of play against the rest of the movie. Um, it helps bring some life into the movie, bring some levity into it because it is, is it, it is a preposterous concept. So it has to be silly at times. And Dave Franco brings a lot of that silliness does so in a very professional way. He does a good job approaching his scenes, being very intentional and he gets, he gets turned into a vampire later in this film, which is one of the funniest scenes that <laughs> ensues after he's turned into a vampire. Um, and just he handles that whole transformation and does so in the exact way that his character would, which is just really well-done character work on his part. So I have to give it to Dave Franco, who really I, th I felt like was the strength of this crew through and through. Wonderful choice. I love that Dave Franco. Much better than his older brother in the yes. antics that he gets involved in. So you keep being you. Uh, and also, uh, I love that him and Allison Brie are are married. I think that's just adorable. Um, I hope they stay together. Please stay together. Please. Their, Give us something to believe in. Yeah. All right. My turn. I'm going with Mr. Jamie Fox. Two X's if you've never heard his name, but if you've never if you've never heard his name, you've been living under a rock. Ninety-one film and TV credits. Uh, some of those are music videos, but whatever. That's fine. Music videos are art too. I think that when people think of Jamie Foxx, uh, they think of like a few good performances. I think they think of Ray, for which he won his Oscar, Django, Unchained, obviously. Um, and more recently, I think they're going to think of him for uh, No Way Home and how he resurrected his character of Electro in a much more uh, fantastic way, uh, as well as uh, his voice and soul. Killed it. Absolutely killed it. The Pixar, uh, Disney Pixar soul. I think that when people think of him, they only think of a few good things, but really that list of 91, there's more pros than cons, but his cons, his, his movies that tank, they really tank. Like his attempt at performances in those other ones, he was just totally miscast or had a terrible director that didn't know how to highlight him. I think that in this movie, the director knew how to highlight Jamie Foxx. I say that with a big asterisk because the first 15 minutes of this movie are horrible <laughs> i mean i don't want to say unbearable unwatchable close the first 15 minutes that first sequence of this film 
the it's a big fight scene like Cameron mentioned it is just not good it's no. it's like overly campy oh my uh, God, like yeah. and the rest of the movie isn't like that. The rest of the movie has humor in some of the fighting, but it has real fights. I think the trope of having the old woman turn into this big, strong villain, uh, dead villain usually, is just over. I, we've done it, right? Like ever since it was done in The Shining in room uh, 22, whatever, like that, ever since that happened, people are like, oh, we got to do that. People are not going to expect it. It's going to be shocking. No, it's not shocking in the slightest. I need you to stop. Because it made Jamie Foxx look bad for what the rest of this performance was actually pretty good. It was really good. I thought that he carried his beats well. He had established relationships with with, uh, each character in a unique way. And I think that his physicality is above all else. I mean, your boy is in his 50s. And he is just, I mean, he could outrun me in a, a 50 yard dash because I am widely out of shape. <laughs> I just want to say that his commitment to this role commitment to this character soared after the first 15 minutes. Bravo Jamie Fox. Yeah. It took some time, man. It, it took some real time for, for I think him to settle in and for the movie to settle in just because I think it was set back so far by the, the beginning of this movie and they, yeah. they really bungle establishing the initial plot line and establishing the world and things like that. It's just a total mess. Um, it's like a really stupid zombie land knockoff at the beginning. And the dialogue is very dumb too. I feel like even those first few scenes with his daughter, it's like, ouch. Whereas like at the end you feel pretty connected to their, their whole piece. And it just, it just takes some time. But I think, you know, by the end he, he is in a really good spot with that character and it, it pulls together, but man, to your point, rough, rough beginning. Um, <clears throat> excuse me for my scene stealer, which is what we're going to move to next. This is sort of the, the unsung hero of the cast. I'm going to go with Natasha Lou Bordizo who plays Heather. Um, Heather is the neighbor in the building to Jamie Foxx that we meet halfway through the movie. Turns out that she is sort of a vampire spy, um, who was put up to watching him, but ends up becoming an ally in this sort of like half vampire, half human vampire hunting task force that they pull together between uh, Snoop Dogg, uh, Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, and Natasha Lou Bordizo. Um, I thought she was great. I thought she did a really good job within the confines of this world. She sort of seemed to be the one person who was really bought into her supporting role and like really leaned into the world building. She did a lot of um, good combat work. She did a lot of good, like reacting to other people's dialogue when she didn't specifically have lines. She was always in it when she was in the scene, she was always active making choices that her character would. She really didn't have a ton of screen time to build out her character, but I thought she did a, a great job doing it from their first scene with Jamie Foxx. She established immediate chemistry and you're immediately interested in kind of what they're bringing to the table and you're, you're excited to see more. Um, so when she becomes sort of a fulcrum of the plot, whenever it, it turns out that she's sort of a vamp, she is a vampire who has been spying on Jamie Foxx and sort of led the bad people to her family and that whole thing pops off. You're immediately more interested in the movie because she's been doing a good job of, 
of making her character intriguing and doing a good job of laying the groundwork. So I really like what she brought to the table. Um, she is, you know, picking up some momentum in her career and she's actually going to be in the Ahsoka series that is coming up on Disney plus within the star Wars universe. So that is exciting and I'll be looking forward to that. Great work. Natasha Lou Bordizo. Brilliant. I, I watched the movie farther away than you did. I watched it the premiere weekend and uh, I forgot about her only because it's been, I've watched so many movies in between and she really does a fantastic job. She really does. So excellent choice. Excellent choice. My choice for scene stealer. As everyone knows him, Calvin Cortazar Brodus, a few people call him Snoop Dogg, but I really like to call him Calvin Cortazar <laughs> Brodus really rolls off the at the tongue. Yeah, CCB. Sometimes I call him by you know his initials. Uh, crazy that that was contrived into Snoop Doggy Dog, Snoop Dog, DJ Snoopadelic, Snoop Rock, Snoop uh, Lion, Big Snoop Dog, Snoopy, Snoopzilla, Snoop a lot, and Uncle Snoop. Just all of his little aliases to go by there. I can't imagine having that many nicknames to to keep that straight, but. I thought Snoop Dogg did a fantastic job in this movie. Uh, he definitely had my eye whenever he was on the screen. I think that he was in, correct me if I'm wrong, was he in the 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 cult, uh, the cult, the now cult classic MTV original film Pootie Tang or not? Oh, he could, he could was. have been. He's had a few, he's had a few moments, a few a few uh, good credits in his day. Yeah, I feel that he whatever he came on screen at first, he knew. Uh, his original, his first time on sets, that he knew that he was the cameo. And to a degree, he absolutely is a cameo appearance here. But he has a full-fledged story arc. And let me tell you, he just leans into it. I mean, he knows that he is Snoop Dogg on screen. And he's not really trying to create this really deep character. But he's also not trying to just be like, uh, like, playing playing himself it's it's such a weird line and i really can't describe it but all i know is that i loved what he was doing on the screen i'm gonna need some more time on a second watch back on this to say oh here's what he was doing here's the direction he took or here's what the director told him to do because he walks in that so well uh so snoop dog thanks for thanks for joining this movie and i i'm glad you survived by the end of it to help us see day shift two or whatever the sequel to this looks like i'm sure is coming yeah i was very pleasantly surprised with snoop dog um Seems to just sort of be good at everything. I don't really know what that's about, but <laughs> he was really effortless in this movie. He was definitely a contender for my for my scene stealer. Um, the character that they slid him into, Big John, is, is pretty awesome. Just like a total vampire killing cowboy. And I think to your point, Kirk, like he just doesn't do too much with it. He like in a good way. He doesn't he doesn't yeah. overdo it. He stays in his lane. He does his thing. He sticks to his character. It's a very sort of understated thing but it's never unnatural it doesn't break the suspension of disbelief um it, it's it's really fine work by him on on that role so i like the pick and we we split every category we didn't we had we were able to talk about four different actors which doesn't always happen whenever we do nice. so that's awesome um all right let's get into the production side of things and talk showstopper and then director shoes we're going to start with showstopper which is what uh, blew us away about the movie. I mean, I'll be honest, like 
nothing in this movie blew me away, but um, I did sort of like the thing that I liked the most about this movie, I think was the world building of vampires living in modern society. You know, they, they do it in a, they so slowly build it throughout the movie. Um, they do this, it, they make it clear that not everybody understands that there are vampires out and about, and that there is sort of like this underground league of people who are like the initiated who know about it. And, um, they are the ones who are responsible for dealing with it. I can't remember if they outright say it or if it's just alluded to that, like this vampire killing union sort of like works with the government to eliminate the vampire population in, in the U S because it's a problem. Um, it's, it's very interesting. It's almost like a John wick, you know, the continental society, the hotels that are linked together. And, and like they sort of, build that out in a way to where there's all these people who know and are, are aware of it. Um, but it, it remains a shadow to, to the real world. So I, I really dug that. I liked that all of the vampire stuff that happens in this movie is your very cliche original vampire. Like this isn't like an, I am legend thing or, you know, we've seen infinite different takes, but like this is old school, straight up vampires. I mean, they stop short of turning into bats, but it's like, they can't see themselves in mirrors. You stab them through the heart with a wooden stake, they die. Uh, they don't like garlic. The sun burns their skin. Like, it is it is old school vampires. Like, sure, there's a level of, like, zombie-ishness, but there's there's always a, a, kin, a kinship between zombies and vampires anyway, given the way that they thirst for human flesh, they bite people, they turn into them, et cetera, et cetera. But they, they, they really stuck to the book in terms of vampires, and, and I think that that made it more engaging because as a, as a viewer, you're like, okay, I know the rules of this world, and they do a good job without really saying too much to just be like, yes, these are the vampires you know, right? Like, stay inside, they get killed by a wooden stake, all of that kind of thing. Um, so I, I dug that. They, they didn't go overboard with like explaining all the different rules. They just kind of let you pick it up through context, which is kind of how I think it should go. And I thought that that was, that was pretty well done. And that's what I liked the most about the movie. Yeah. They had different like classes of vampire, right? Like Uber and I see. I can't remember. There was like Ubers. There were, there were Easterners. There were juveniles. Um, no, it was, yeah, there was, there were elders. I know that. Um, because mm-hmm. it's like once you reach a certain threshold, you're an elder. Um, but yeah, a lot of them were like regional different types of names. Right. But then, then those didn't matter enough, right? Like I, yes. when they dropped the names, I'm like, okay, I'm like, like, okay, say the names like eight times, say what they are, say what they are. That's important. They really weren't that important. They were just like a color to the story versus a critical thing that you had to learn and then immediately apply. So I thought that was good too. Yeah. Yep. Cool. What about you, Kirk? What was your showstopper? It's tricky. It it really is tricky, but I think I have to go with, this was a straight up good villain. Great villain. Uh, Audrey San Fernando, uh, Carla Souza. She had a bone to pick. It was a creative villain, right? Because one would just say, oh, that's, that's her, uh, that's her mother, right? Like that she was older. No, it was actually her daughter, but her daughter lived longer than she did before she was turned. That part of the storyline, that part of the, the, such a unique villain origin story. Um, I would just 
love to see the sequel of this where we get a flashback to something of that and to see the devastation um, because it was brilliant. I really thought it was brilliant. I don't want to say the whole story. I don't want to put the whole story in the bucket of my my entire showstopper, but the it was just a, a incredibly well-built villain that was a slow build you see her you're like okay she knows this person probably her mother no big reveal psh, daughter and then you have the connection of you, you killed my daughter i'm gonna kill your daughter uh jablonski <laughs> to jamie fox's character and then you have this this like real fear of like that she might actually do it like i was kind of I was very uncomfortable when she announced that in, in her layer and everything. So I was very, very happy with the villain of this. It just pumped the the stakes of this up so much higher than, than I thought it could, again, especially after the first 15 minutes. And it really, it really gave, uh, put, struck fear into me. Um, and just the, the full the full roundabout collection as well as part two of my uh, showstopper here uh, the the coming back together of the family the reuniting of the family of of Jamie Fox and Megan Good seeing like no like yeah like we do care for each other I would throw my body in front of uh, of a crazy vampire and take the bite for you to survive I don't care what we've been through I love you at my core I love you and. All that doesn't work if you don't have such a strong villain. So bravo to the writing and to especially Carla Souza, uh, on who plays Audrey uh, San Fernando on being so menacing. Like she was good, man. She was good. Yeah, I like that pick. A good, a good villain goes a long way, man. It goes a really long way towards making something work because, you know, in something like this where you've got a new world that you're dealing with, new characters, you're kind of getting up to speed. The stakes have to feel high, uh, no pun intended, there um, to, I mean, maybe it was. I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain my subconscious. We've said the stakes probably 14 times, That's and right. every time I've said it, I'm like, oh, no. But it's true. Like, the, they have to be high for you to buy in, and I felt like, I feel like a good villain does that. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I dig that. I dig that take. Okay. By the way, the, the vampire types were... Uber, Juvenile, Spider, Eastern, and I think that's it. And there's, you know, there's articles out there that kind of explain it. I believe Uber was, like, Uber Vamp was coined um, in Buffy, if I remember correctly. So um, I don't know if that's just like a a fan thing. And the other one was just Southern, Southern Vampires. So um, in the inevitable sequel, because this is a Netflix movie, We'll probably get further explanations on those, perhaps. But um, yeah, just figured I would circle back on that. Okay. Love it. Other side, director shoes, things we did not like about this movie, things we would change. Um, Man, there's a lot of different ways I could go here. The thing that really bothered me was the inconsistency of the special effects in this movie because it was vast. And it felt like at any given moment you weren't watching fight scenes in the same world all the time. Like sometimes it was like insanely campy Sam Raimi kind of effects, only not intentional, like accidentally bad effects um, or effects that were bad despite the best effort of the people involved. And other times the effects would be totally different. It would be, you know, 
using different techniques, both practical and visual effects to accomplish the same things, which gave it a sort of like inconsistent feel. Like you felt like you were watching different scenes from different movies. Um, at some point they turned to like lots of physical hand to hand foot to head kind of combat. And that feels very different from what has happened in the rest of the film. Um, and I just felt like all of the effects related to vampires kind of like walking around like Korean water ghosts, like with their spine all bent, like the exorcist and stuff like that looked real bad. Um, I thought the skin burning uh, in the sunlight looked real bad. Uh, there's just a lot of effects that were, that were pretty awful. And a lot of times like things that could have been practical that, that weren't, um, you know, like people getting thrown upstairs and stuff like that, uh, that they ended up using CGI just made it look really cheap. And it, it wasn't, it didn't fit stylistically within the movie. A lot of times we talk about effects that are campy, which means that like they look fake, but they do so for a specific effect. They do so to, um, evoke a certain style and theming and things like that within the movie. That was not the case here. This was just kind of like pretty shoddy work. I felt like in terms of um, how it looked aesthetically, there was just a lot of inconsistency to it. And that just drove me crazy all the way up into the end. And it killed like what could have been some pretty good action sequences, um, including the car chase and, and others. So that just did not do it for me. But I think this, I think this movie has, issues beyond that in terms of I thought the the writing wasn't particularly inspired throughout with regard to the dialogue I felt like acting was really inconsistent pretty much across the board um I don't love the plot of this movie I think it's pretty thin um and they're they're like almost unabashedly <laughs> like setting up a sequel in a way that I just really hate. I hate when movies are just like really out there setting up a sequel, unless it's like a planned trilogy, which I don't think that is what's happening here. But that, that just drove me crazy that they're like mentioning El Jefe and like mentioning all these other things that are clearly meant to allude to a sequel. Um, uh, just like ugh, annoying, make the movie that you're making. Don't mention all this other crap to try to get me to watch the second movie. It just feels way too plastic. And um, so, yeah, I had lots of issues with this movie, many of which I haven't even scratched the surface of, but I will just leave it at that for my director's shoes. The, the biggest one out of all of them was the visual effects, both practical and, and special effects just did not work for me. Mm hmm. Mm, I feel that. I feel that. Um, inconsistency is this movie's nickname. Yes. That was not a clever sentence. It's this movie's middle <laughs> at name. All. It should be called Day Inconsistency Shift. Day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, just as inconsistent as the CGI and effect and practical effects are, so is the script. There are times when this script is absolutely incredible, like when Seth talks about his just absolute despise for Carol. Oh my gosh, so funny. <laughs> I mean, uh, he talks about in depth about the yogurt and the label and how the label, you had to peel it back to know it was his and how he's going to spin it in. And it's just absolutely incredible. Um, but then you have lines like, like there's, the, I don't remember who says it, but someone uh, says, do you know what insanity is? It's doing the same thing over oh. and over. 
and expecting a different result. Like, okay, it's 2022. You cannot put that into a movie anymore. It's been in a you thousand scripts, dude. It's been in a thousand scripts. It's the same as starting a speech or an essay with Miriam Webster's dictionary oh. defined. <laughs> so bad. You can't do it. You just cannot do it. Like that's just like just a snippet of things. And then you have uh what are some other quick quick hitters if I could find them uh, fast enough. They they're talking about how, you know, vampires don't you don't use the bathroom. Like that's just like cheap humor that just didn't land. Uh but then but then you have other parts where that shouldn't have landed where Jamie Foxx is listing off uh you know the different the different vampire movies and gets into twilight and then there's this banter uh about how do you know all the movies <laughs> you know like those things like things that shouldn't work work because of those two's chemistry it's so inconsistent it's so inconsistent there are moments where um you can tell the the improv uh kind of surfaced and it didn't work or you can tell that the that the actors tried to improv it to enhance which i think was the twilight references and i think they made it better but a lot of the times it falls short and it's just like painful since just severe secondhand embarrassment to watch some of those moments so for me the inconsistency of the script just really kills it for me because if they were to pick one and not walk this line pick one one direction not like it not, not it almost sounds like a, like a writer's battle like writer number one writer number two uh are saying no this is really good okay like that's pretty good throw it in there right like they're being too kind to throw it in they needed to be a little bit more critical of what direction and how precise the story that they were telling they just they just got out of hand um, but the things that hit hit and the things that did not hit, they really pulled the score down for me, which we'll talk about in a moment. Yep. I feel that. I feel that for sure. Yeah. Let's get, let's get into it. Final thoughts and scores on day shift, um, which by the way, I was just thinking like the, the title of the movie doesn't really have any sort of plot relevance other than the fact that like he is working the day shift in terms of he's only allowed to hunt vampires during the day, but that never feels totally relevant because there's lots of vampire hunting that still goes on at night and whatnot. So it's a very, it's a bit of a misnomer, (laughs) the name of the movie I feel like, but um, yeah, I feel like I've tipped my hand a little bit on this movie. I I, I don't find it to be a very inspired piece of film. I, I think that it feels pretty plastic. It feels, just very run of the mill. Um, not a, not a really solid idea. Um, it has, it has a few highlights. I think that the Dave Franco, Jamie Foxx dynamic and, and the, the, the dynamic they start to build at the end with the Heather character, um, and the family starts to work a lot. Um, and I think that Snoop Dogg's character plays into that as well. So there, there is a bit of a team dynamic that starts to come together. That is, attractive and, and works decently well. There's a couple of world building pieces that have, that have potential for sure. Uh, but I think that overall the script is uninspired. I think the effects are shoddy. I think the look of it, the aesthetic is very generic. There's not really doing anything there stylistically to draw your attention in. Um, and it just ends up becoming a very blah sort of vampire film that doesn't really make you want more. It doesn't, it doesn't leave you going, Oh, I do want day shift too. I want to see what goes on with these guys. You're just kind of like, okay, that was a vampire movie. Got it. 
Um, the, there's just nothing about it that's really memorable or sticks out. Um, it's it's a very forgettable movie. It feels, you know, when people talk about like, oh, it's a Netflix movie, people start to use that derogatory term. Like, this is the kind of movie they're talking about. You know, this this is the reason that that term exists. I feel like there's nothing here to write home about. Um, and there's more, there's certainly more bad than good to discuss with regard to this movie. So for that reason, I'm giving a 3.4 out of 10 kernels for Day Shift. You know, I never thought about how powerful that is now. Like what you, so a lot of people use that term kind of like with Hallmark, like, well, it's a Hallmark movie. You know what you're getting out of a Hallmark movie, right? You're going to get smiles. You're going to get romance. You're going to get a prince or a princess out of place. You're going to get mostly holidays, Christmas. Uh, you're going to get uh, an event that has gone wrong and <laughs> someone has to save the day. And I feel like you could, that's how people are like, Oh, it's a Hallmark movie. Well, you know, take it for what it is. And Netflix is doing its own same thing. A lot of it being big budget action movies uh, and to just insert into its niche genre after that, which is what they're pumping out at a rapid pace. So I love the fact that we've danced a around it a lot, uh, but it is a derogatory statement because it does diminish the value of the film because it's not quite um, and not quite is not the right word, but it's not a great film when it comes down to it. Uh, I love how you said about day shift, the, the entire title doesn't even matter because we, we hear them say that right before he goes out and then it's never spoken about again. Um, he has plenty of vampires that he finds during the daytime without any, any issue or, or, uh, any struggle so why call it day shift it's not even that cool of a name there should have been something else uh that that played into uh into the the creative team that could have come up with something better uh i think that for whatever weird reason before this movie came out i don't know if, if subconsciously before it came out i had seen the promo and i was like you know vampires i'm not like a huge vampire guy not a huge monster guy but i'm gonna watch interview with the vampire for the first time and i did and this movie is somehow better than that movie <laughs> so my score is a little skewed right now because i found this to be much more fascinating than that um, but it did have a lot of the same tropes like things were rushed at times because there wasn't long enough of a runway it almost feels like if interview of a vampire um, had planned to be a trilogy of some sort, like if they had gotten the rights from the original author in Rice to say, hey, we want to make this into a trilogy, they they could have and probably should have done it with that. And now it's going to become an FX series, as I understand. But Day Shift itself crammed things in to give us the lead on a sequel, to give us the lead on a, a trilogy or whatever they're thinking. And it just doesn't work. It drives the the viewer crazy because you know what they're doing. It's so obvious. I don't think I'm as low as cam on this, but it's also not something that I can really give some phenomenal score. I'm going to go with a 4.7 out of 10 kernels today for day shift. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what was said there. I think that it's a shame. I, I, I don't want Netflix movies to be a derogatory term. I There have been many Netflix movies that I have liked, but, you know, people have accused them of doing exactly this, you know, just trying to yeah. kind of squeeze as much as they can out of a pretty mediocre 
plot and story and concept by putting a couple A-list guys and gear and girls on the billing and, and just kind of like letting it go. You know, if you build it, they will come sort of thing. Um, but it's a shame. I, I don't want it to be that there, there have been some really good ones and this one had potential. It just, it just really failed to realize it, which is, a, it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, it is. All right, <sighs> Kirk, as I understand it, you have a game, my friend. I do. All right, I let's do. let's hear let's hear about it. All right, we're going to categorize some famous people. And then there's a little twist at the end. This is not like a game that we've done before. Uh maybe maybe slightly, but it's okay. it's very different. So I'm really excited about it, okay? So this game is called Vampire Human or Lizard People. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't think there's another person on this planet can that can define lizard people as well as you. So I'm going to put you on the spot. If you could please give <laughs> examples or a brief description uh, to let audience members know what lizard people might be as we categorize them. Yeah, I would say lizard lizard person or lizard people is a term that I use a lot to describe undesirables. Um, not in like the sense that most people think of the term undesirable, which is like an elitist white person describing like neighborhood kids or something like that. But just like somebody who really is a, a plague upon the earth, like somebody who adds no value. I think there was a Facebook account for a while. Maybe it still exists where I first heard this term that was called like lizard people of New York. It was meant to be like the antithesis to like people of New York. And all these people were just like scumbag Supreme, like totally out just for themselves making horrible choices, putting terrible products out into the world, like just engines of chaos who, who do nothing but self-serve and do so to the detriment of their, of their fellow man. That's, that's a lizard person to me. Ezra Miller is a lizard person. (laughs) Like they might be the king and or queen of the lizard people. if, 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 if I'm the one who's deciding that. Yes, that's very true. Ezra Miller is not on this list because it's too easy. It's just too that's easy. That's a like, softball. U- unanimous, yeah, right? That's a softball. So we're gonna we're gonna categorize these people. I have a list of eighteen uh, because you know we're just gonna like book it through these. And some I might say, hold on, hold on, give me an explanation. But otherwise, it's probably gonna be like, yeah, that that tracks. So let's start it off. Number one, Nick Cage, vampire, human, or lizard people. I'm gonna go. Vampire on Nick Cage because Excellent. he's too eccentric to be a normal person. He's he's not just a human, um, but he's not a lizard person. I think he's I think he's good people, and I think that um, he really is just out there to have a good time. But he also is like so mysterious and and otherworldly that he almost has to be a mythical creature of some type. So for lack of a better option, I have to go vampire here. Yeah, there's also like the rumor, like there's these old pictures that people have surfaced that they think Nick Cage was like born like in the 1400s yeah. from these yeah, pictures. Yeah, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I could see it. that would make him actually a vampire. So I, I believe in that as well, wholeheartedly. Next up, number two, Margot Robbie, vampire, human, lizard people. I'm going to go human. I feel, like, I feel like Margot Robbie seems like a really decent person overall. Um, I, I read that, um, and I know that this is PR, you know, so I'm not I'm not necessarily falling for the trap here. But she sent like bottles of champagne to every cast member 
on the show that she got her start on in Australia. That was like a soap opera. Uh, thought that was Neighbors. really, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've watched a lot of press junkets with Margot. I've seen her do a lot of different roles. I really feel like she's just out there trying to do a good job, trying to hustle and do her thing. And so I, th- I think human for sure. I love it. Keanu Reeves. Vampire. Easily. Like, the dude does not age. Um, he has some vampire-centric features, like his cold, pale skin. I assume it's cold. I don't really know, but he's kind of a he's a slender guy. Um, so he, he gives off a lot of vampire vibes. He's a guy who, like, if somebody was like, oh, yeah, he's actually 250 years old, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like that, I'll buy that. It's the same with Nick Cage. Like, oh yeah, Nick Cage was born in the 1400s. Yeah, certainly that makes sense. Yeah. I would just hope that they're brothers, at least of some sort. Connected, yeah, they could be. You know? They could be, uh, or old pals. You know, uh, they were the best men in each other's like first or third <laughs> vampire wedding, yeah, whatever exactly. it might be. Uh, Johnny Depp. Ooh, <laughs> toughy. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say. I'm going to go lizard person for Johnny Depp because, and and listen, I I was privy to all of the trial stuff. I knew multiple people who were into all of the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial things that were going on. And my stance on that was effectively like, I think the determination that the court made in that particular case was the right one. That said, I think that dude is an engine of chaos. I think I yeah. think he is not somebody you want in your circle. I think he's bringing all kinds of bad vibes along with him. I think he's a super ultra diva galore. Um, someone who, you know, he didn't necessarily deserve everything that happened to him as a result of the Amber Heard stuff. But I, I, I don't. I think that guy's bringing bad, bad juju into your life if he's in your circle. That's just my. That's my read on the whole thing. I got you. We might have some people out there who, who write to us. I'd be interested. I'm, in what, in what I, I'm open to talking about it. That's just like I, I'm. A lot of it is total speculation, but a lot of it is like you hear the stories and the stuff that has gone on that he was like, yeah, that happened, and you're like, okay, you start to get a picture for like what kind of dude. He is, and I'm not saying he's incapable of goodness, but I would say that I would be very hesitant to add him into my inner circle at any point. Yeah. He's like a classier just because he has money. Stephen Avery. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because Stephen Avery, innocent of killing Teresa uh, Hallback, but absolutely guilty of a hundred other things. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Like somebody that you want to keep your eye on. Right. (laughs) Right, For sure. He did throw that cat in the fire after all. Right. Right. Next up, Tom Hanks, vampire, human, lizard people. He's a human, but he's he's a borderline vampire, I think, just because I, I always assume that vampires are insanely charming. That's sort of yeah. the thing that they do with Dracula is, like, he's a total charmer, you know? And, and is there anyone on Earth more charming than Tom Hanks? I mean, everyone loves Tom Hanks. I, I've never heard anybody say an ill word about the guy or, or met anybody that's, like, if you just mention his name, you're like, oh, it has Tom Hanks. You're like, oh, I love him. You know, everybody says that. So... I think he's a human with a hint of vampire energy going on there for sure. Okay. Okay. Maybe he's like a vampire child. Like he, he got that <laughs> gene from his parents. He could be like the, he could be like the human president of the vampire underworld. So like okay. they would elect yeah. him. 
He's the liaison. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, Avril Levine. Avril. Oh. And this is pre-conspiracy. This is the original Avril. Is, this is the, this is the, the original Avril, not the one that we know now who is the replacement that the government has Which inserted. She is absolute. In fact, if you if you want to split this Avril one and Avril two into whichever category you want, uh, feel if, free to do so. <laughs> If Avril Two exists, I think obviously Lizard Person. There's, you know, there's no, there's no helping someone like that who would just step into, you know, somebody else's shoes who's been kidnapped by the Illuminati or whatever the theory is. Like right. that's a despicable human being, no doubt about it. Um, I have no qualms or really strong opinions at all about Avril. Uh, I mean. <laughs> You know, she does try to steal people's boyfriends. She sings songs about that. That's that's partially lizard person behavior. But, you know, at the same time, the heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> and you got to get after it. So I, I'm, I'm not one who can throw stones not knowing the details of the situation. Um, I'm leaning human on Avril. Okay. But if she was assassinated by the government and replaced by a shadow rogue agent. Um, mm -hmm. That person who is pretending to be her now and is doing the TikToks and whatnot is certainly a lizard person with, with no, I mean, they have no soul. Yeah. There's some heightened consciousness on those, right? Cause they're, they're absolutely saying like, if I was, it, you know, right? a different Avril, like that's only something that someone would have to prove that they weren't the original Avril. Exactly. It's I that know, simple. Man. It really puts your brain in a pretzel if you think about it too hard. <laughs> Next up, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, vampire, obviously. <laughs> um, he doesn't age. I think he's he's clearly 500 years old. Uh, it's the only explanation. He's never been any age other than the age he is right now, um, physically. So, <laughs> yeah. And no one can prove, prove me other, otherwise. So I think he's 1,000% a vampire. And will suck your blood if he gets the chance. That said, I think he's a good guy. Probably. Probably. A good vampire. As we saw in this movie, Day Shift. That's right. It, it is possible. They do exist. Next up, Jason Sudeikis. Ooh. <laughs> a toughie. Not Ted Lasso, but Not Jason Ted Lasso. Sudeikis. Okay, are we to assume that he intentionally had Olivia Wilde served in the middle of CinemaCon? That is the question. <laughs> that, that is the <laughs> ultimate question because that is hallmark lizard person behavior. You know, like that's, there's no, there's no getting around that. If you have somebody served papers mm -hmm. in the middle of a presentation on a stage that's important for their career, that is right. lizard person behavior. Um as far as I have read, that has not been pr proven, and he has gone as far as to say that that was not his intent and didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, I'm going to go human, but he's on a watch list for that. That's like that's <laughs> that's borderline lizard person type involvement, regardless of the situation with him and Olivia Wilde. Excellent, excellent. All right, we're going to go two more, and then we're going to go rapid fire. No commentary allowed. Okay. How do you feel about that? I love it. <laughs> Next one up, Florence Pugh. Human, but just because she's awesome, I think she's she's great. I have no qualms. That's right. She would 
she would lead the resistance against either one of these other two yes. groups, right? Absolutely. And finally, before you get no words, you just categorization. You ready? Yes. Jared Leto. Lizard person. Not vampire <laughs> like Morbius. He he would be he would love if you thought he was a vampire. He's actually right. a lizard person. He is yeah. an engine of chaos. Um yeah, nothing good coming out of that factory, that's for sure. No, and just a reminder, we crashed on Apple TV+. Plus. I mean, he's just living his truest self. Maybe his best performance because he is literally just himself with an accent. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Go. Here we go. Next up, we've got eight or nine to cruise through. You ready? <laughs> yes. Pharrell Williams. Vampire, human, lizard people. Go. Vampire. Elijah Wood. Human. Snoop Dogg. Vampire. Jennifer Lopez. Lizard person. <laughs> Rob Lowe. Ooh. <laughs> Lizard person. Ooh, ooh, that's exciting. Gwyneth Paltrow. Lizard person. Lizard person. <laughs> John Stamos. Human. Oh, surprising. I would have categorized him as a vampire for sure. And finally, <laughs> Steven Seagal. Lizard person. The king of the lizard okay. people for sure. All right. Now listen, here's what's happened. We have entered the vampire lizard people, human wars, Cameron. This yes. is what's, this is what's occurred. And I believe that you sacrificed yourself and you are now a vampire. Okay. So you are team vampire <laughs> yes. because a, if you and the height, all the height, all six, nine of you, <laughs> because the, to me, you're six, nine, sure. because I'm not very, tall. we can go with that. When you, if you were on camera and you turned around and you're a vampire, whoever's in front of you is absolutely getting just like killed immediately. There's no, there's no like your 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 wingspan. You'll immediately be able to catch Engulf them by them. whatever, by by shirt, by hair, by arm. They're done, right? It's true. But your backstory is that you saved a whole gaggle of people. Mm. Uh, most likely myself, as I recall, us walking through the Walking Dead experience at Universal. That's right. Um, and said there was a vampire hiding in there. That's actually the moment that this happened. I am a weak and feeble human. I don't believe I'm a lizard person. Um, and so I want to know who, who wins out of this war. Let me recap the teams here. Okay. And I want you to tell me who wins. Now you can't be partial that you are team vamp. Yes. So that's okay. You got to put that out of your mind, but I just want to give you a home base. Ready? So vamps are Nick Cage, Keanu Reeves, Paul Rudd, Pharrell, and Snoop Dogg. Humans are myself, Margot Robbie, Tom Hanks, Avril Levine, one, Jason Sudeikis, maybe, Florence Pugh, Elijah Wood, John Stamos, and the Lizard People, Johnny Depp, Avril 2, look out, Jared Leto, Jennifer Lopez, Rob Lowe, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Steven Seagal. Who's winning this fight? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Who's winning it? I think it's the Lizards, dude. <laughs> I do. I think it's the Lizards. I think the vampires will put up a fight. The humans stand no chance. No chance. The no lizard chance people, whatsoever. that's a scary crew, though. That's like they will do what it takes to get the job I, done. I'm most fearful 
of Avril 2 and Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow is the one that strikes the most fear in my heart. For real. Because if she just started levitating and shooting blasts of pure negative energy out of her hands, there's not a person on this earth that would be surprised by that. Not, she not has a whole one. arsenal of goop to attack Absolutely. everyone with as well. And who knows the toxins? Because the, those aren't actually cleansing. No, it's just <laughs> a toxins. shell company to to like cover her R&D into the nether realm uh, of, of <laughs> goos and potions and nonsense. That's, that's what it all is. Man, oh man. I agree. I agree oh, with your gosh. assessment. I'm the stressed lizard people now. would come because you're worried about the impending doom of the lizard people taking over. I am. It concerns <laughs> me. Well, you did it. You heard it here first that, you know, vampire human lizard people, we will all suffer, and I think we should turn this into a major motion picture. And also, if you are just now hearing that there is a conspiracy theory related to Avril Lavigne, um, please Google that. Like, <laughs> and make sure you have a good chunk of time carved out because oh, the yeah. rabbit hole is extensive. Uh, but it's a good time. I, I highly recommend it. Ten out of ten. Absolutely. Awesome. Great game, Kirk. Appreciate it. Let's hope that we don't meet our fate at the at the uh, the hands of the lizard people. It would not be good. Um, all right, thank you guys so much for listening to our review of Day Shift and our game Vampire Human or Lizard Person. Um, it's been a good time. Thank you so much for sticking with us this week. We will review something next week. I don't know mm. what it's going to be, but until then, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer Ryan Spriggs and the band Rhetoric. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you then.